good to see everyone. So thankful that we can all assemble and worship our Heavenly Father on this beautiful Lord's Day morning in February. Some of you may remember a movie, and I'm counting on, depending upon not just a few, but hopefully most, and possibly even everyone here today, thinking about this movie and knowing some of the lines in the movie. It was, uh, came out, will be 80 years ago next year. And I'm not suggesting that you were there and you went to the premiere or anything like that, but it's probably one that you recognize. And what I want to do this morning as we begin our lesson is I want to give you just a few of the lines and then I'm going to ask you to, re- to, to finish out uh, the lines, okay? Here they are. Yes, I'm, I'm ready now. Then close your eyes, tap your heels together three times, and think to yourself, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Yes, we're talking about The Wizard of Oz that came out, will be 80 years ago next year, 1939, when it came out. Dorothy was the one with her ruby slippers that was to click her heels together and she was to go back to Kansas. And you know, when you, when you think about that, you can't help but think about all of those characters that were there and the brilliant color and, and everything. But the thing I want to think about this morning is what she had to say. How many of you remember the very last line of The Wizard of Oz? The last thing that said in The Wizard of Oz. When Dorothy is back home in Kansas and she's lying in her bed and the movie is going off, the very last thing she says is, there's no place like home. You know, when we think about that this morning and think about the concept of home, why is it that we like home so much? Think about that. Why do we like home so much? You know, it's good to go on a vacation. It's good to be able to see different things in our country, in our world. But most of us, when we go, we want to come home. We may not like to come back from the vacation. We may not like to get back to the daily activities, but we do like to get back home. Why is it that we like home so much? Why is it that our homes are so attractive to us? Real Simple Magazine, many of you may have seen that, maybe even purchased it, but Real Simple Magazine asked some of their readers this question, what's so special about home? And they published some of the results on their website, realsimple.com, and there is a long list of things. I didn't take time to count all of the people who had responded and where they were from and all of that. But there are four or five that I want to mention this morning. For example, Dina Nielsen from Charlotte, North Carolina said, Home is special because a warm bed that you can't get out of in the morning, a a tiny pink toothbrush in the bathroom, the sound of my husband's key in the door at the end of the day. That's why home is special to her. Lexi Williams says about home, she's from Winnemucca, Nevada, Home is being around people who can drive you absolutely crazy one moment and make you feel like a million dollars the next. It's knowing that no matter how hard times get, someone is there for you. Hillary Clark from Scottsdale, Arizona wrote, 
a, a zone where my boss, pesky customers, bad drivers are absent and where the absurdities of the day can be shared, unchecked and unedited, and without remorse. Jamie Meyer from Durham, North Carolina says, Home is a place of love and comfort that always welcomes you with open arms and perhaps a plate of freshly baked cookies. That's why home is special to these four people, and you know, I can sort of relate to that. I used to, when I was traveling, you know, could sleep just about anywhere. Now I have problems sleeping anywhere, but I do like to be in my own bed. It does, you know, does me good to be home. I like to be in my own recliner. Marlene says one of these days we're going to have to retire that thing. It's not, not all that old. It's just getting broke in good. But she says we're going to have to retire. I like it. Okay? It's mine. I'm at home. And we have all of these things, and, and home is special to us. But you know what? With all of the blessings of having home, the things that we have here and now, with all of the things that, that we enjoy so much, with all of the things that, that make it so special to us, what about when this life is over? What about the home that we will have then? Look at a few passages with me. First, first one is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If this old tent that we're dwelling in, this old body that we're dwelling in, it is dissolved if we die, then we have a place waiting for us on the other side. We have a home on the other side. In the uh, Bible, the Bible speaks about the fact that we have an eternal home. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, at verse number 5, Solomon speaks about man going to his long or eternal home, depending upon which translation you're reading from. And then we come back to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse number 8. Paul writes and says, Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Indeed, we as Christians believe that we have a home waiting for us on the other side. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Even though we believe that we have a home waiting for us on the other side, what is there to make that home so special for us? You know, you have a home, I have a home, and, and other folks here in this room have a home, and each one's home is special to us. What makes heaven, what makes our home on the other side when this life is over, what is there to make that home special for me? What's there to make that home special for you? You know, it's not like we're going just somewhere. There's something about it that should make us want to go there and to be there and to stay there. What is our heavenly home like? What is it that makes it special to us? Now, in the time limit that we have this morning, we can't talk about everything that makes heaven special. We simply can't do that. Just too much in the scriptures, you know, there's more that I'd like to know, but there's still too much there to talk about it in the time that we have allotted this morning. But what I want us to do is to look, about, look at about three things this morning 
that help to make that home, our heavenly home, special for us. Number one on my list this morning as I think about that, I think about heaven, our heavenly home, as being the place where our stuff is. You know, like our recliner, where our our bed is. Our heavenly home is where our stuff is. Now, obviously, we can think about what is said in the book of Matthew chapter 6 at verse number 20. Well, actually, in verse number 19, Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth. And he talks about people stealing it and rust corrupting it and so forth. But he goes on in verse 20 and he says, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of these things happen. We could talk about that this morning, thinking about, you know, laying up our treasures in heaven. That's not where I want to focus, though, this morning. I want to focus on our stuff. I want to focus on what's there for you and me. Do we realize that we have an imperishable and immortal body waiting on us? Each of us individually have that. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 51 and going through verse 54, listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. He says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on, uh, uh, on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Paul writes about that body in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He talks about the resurrection. He makes it clear that some were saying Christ was not resurrected. And if that was true, then, then there's no such resurrection as the resurrection of the body. There's all kinds of consequences that Paul deals with there. But having dealt successfully with that and showing that there is a resurrection, he talks about the resurrection that we'll have. One of these days, all those who are in the cemeteries will come forth out of the graves. Those of us who, if we're alive when Jesus returns, will be caught up in the air, but we will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But I want you to focus this morning on a couple of things that he says here in this passage. We're going to exchange this old body that we have here, this old body that, that, that gets old and wears out, We're going to exchange it for a new body, a different kind, one that's of a different sort. It's fitted for heaven itself. Now think about two things that he says in regard to this body. Number one, he says that this body is going to be imperishable. Not like the one that we have that gets old and and withers away, but it's imperishable. But what does he mean by that when he says that our body is imperishable? Well, the word that's translated imperishable literally means unending existence. We're going to have a body that's not going to wear out. It will last and last and last and last and last. A body that's fitted for unending existence. How old is God? God doesn't have a starting point. God doesn't have an ending point. God is eternal. 
far back beyond even the creation of the world, you just keep going and God was always there. When this old world is over, God will still be eternal. He'll still be there. He'll still be going on. But one day we'll die on this earth and if we've been faithful to Him, we'll have this body, this imperishable body, the one that will be like God, that will keep on going on and on and on and on. Unending existence. No wonder the Bible speaks about that eternal body. In Matthew chapter, the, the, uh, the, the people of God living eternally. Matthew chapter 25 at verse 46. Those who have been unfaithful will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We're going to need a body that's going to last that long. There's no end to it. Unending existence. He says not only that, but, you know, think about what he meant by what he said, it's immortal. In comparison to the mortal body that dies, he says our eternal body is going to be one of deathlessness. It's immortal. You know, we won't have to worry about growing old and saying goodbye when death comes. Many in this good audience have had to say goodbye to loved ones, to, to watch them as perhaps they suffered and died because their body wears out and it just can't continue on. But there, we'll have one that is deathless. It'll never die because it's eternal and it's imperishable. And so Paul talks about that it's a glorious body like the one that Christ has in the book of Philippians chapter 3 at verse 21. Paul writes and says, Who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. But you know, not only is it immortal and imperishable, it's deathless and exists forever. It, there's something else revealed to us in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, at verse 25, that, that probably speaks to the body that we'll have. In Revelation 21, verse 25, the Bible says about heaven itself that its gate swing uh, will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. Think about that. A body that needs no Rest. A body that's able to go, what we would say, day after day without ever having rest. A body that has no pain. A body that has no illness. A body that has no disease. A body that has no ache. 